Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Nadja Wright-Brown. Nadja is a native New Yorker born in Manhattan's Lower East Side and raised in the South Bronx. She was introduced to gardening, farming, environmentalism, sustainability, and the basics of healthy eating while spending summers in Massachusetts as a youth. Nadja is the marketing director for The Land of Kush, Vegan Soul Bistro, and co-creator of Vegan Soul Fest and Maryland Vegan Restaurant Week. She is the executive director of the Black Vegetarian Society of Maryland and has a digital talk show, Nadja Speaks. And let me tell you, she is as amazing as she sounds. Here we go. Okay, well, thank you very, very, very much for joining me. I am really happy to be talking to you and so happy that we connected. Yeah, that, you know, that was the, was that the zero waste uh, meeting where we connected? I forgot where it was. I think it was the zero waste. One of those, one of those online Zoom webinars. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think, I, I'm just thinking that it was because I had put something about, I forgot what it was, I, I attend so many, but. <laughs> I know that's, that's everyone's world now. Isn't that funny? Yes, it is. So you are the co-owner of a vegan restaurant, the co-founder of Vegan Soul Fest, and the executive director of the Black Veg Society of Maryland. That's correct. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you're busy. Yeah, and then a mother and a wife, yeah, and all that. <laughs> and a human just trying to and get human, through. Right. <laughs> so yes. I don't even know where to start. Let's start with um, maybe kind of your journey with food or veganism or vegetarianism like where did that start sure 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 well i'm a i'm a native new yorker okay um uh hailing from the south bronx <laughs> yeah so you can imagine the, the vegan and all of that we i wasn't introduced to any any of that right. um li- living in a new york city housing project in the south bronx however my mom used to send me out to um, uh, Great Barrington, or let's say the Berkshires in Massachusetts, okay. to a family that uh, would eat from the garden. Oh, so wow. at six years old, I was first introduced to what what is uh, what we call now is animal agriculture, because of course they had neighbors, and neighbors were um, raising uh, livestock for milk and eggs and things mm-hmm. like that. So at this young age, I was exposed to that. Uh, and also sustainability. They had solar panels in their house. So oh, wow. this was the fan. Yeah, this was the typical. Um, uh, what is it? Entrepreneurial family. When I say entrepreneurial, the husband was a. Um, const- uh, he was an architect, and okay. the wife was an oil painter. So they were self-employed, uh, very modest, bought their own land, built their own houses, all wow. of that. So uh, that was my first introduction to gardening. I would pick string beans for dinner and strawberries and the sal- you know, the lettuce for salad, all of that. What a cool uh, thing to be exposed to at such a young age. Yes, yes. So I would do this all the way until the age of 12 during the summers. Um, so fast forward, you know, now uh, I'm a, a young adult, adult hanging out with my friends right. in high school, all that stuff goes on. And, um, you know, I'm back to my, my city lifestyle. And then I start working. And then now you're exposed to, you know, uh, the working professional. 
and um, I relocated from New York to New Jersey, okay. and then from New Jersey to Maryland. So in Maryland, 2005, I had my physical, so I'm 33 now. And I thought I was the healthiest thing in the world, eating all of my scrambled eggs, fried eggs, cheese, milk, dairy cakes, ice cream, all of this great, wonderful stuff that we like to eat, <laughs> cheese, pizzas, you know, yeah. which I was addicted to in New York because New York makes oh, the best yeah. you know, all of that. And um, I was told, well, you know, your cholesterol is so high that, um, you know, if you don't do something about it, you we're probably going to have to place you on meds. Okay. Well, I'm holistic. I don't take meds. I don't even take Advil and aspirin unless it's like uh, mandatory, you know, so I hear you. something like that. So I, I, I'm just a I'm naturopathic, holistic, and that's not an option. And you said you were meds. 33 at this age to, or at this time, too, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's young. That's that's young yeah. to be on, you know, to even think about you may be placed on meds. So I was talking to Dr. Google, you know, searching for ways to find out how to reduce my cholesterol, popping um, garlic pills, yep. and all of these remedies and teas <laughs> and things like that. I, again, I don't know anything about being vegetarian at this time because I'm just trying to find out how do I reduce this cholesterol. And then I met my now husband uh, at work because we both work for Verizon Wireless and I had, I would meet him in 2006. So this is a year later and this is an interesting uh, gentleman. Um, He has locks and uh, quiet and uh, bringing interesting food to work with just, I'm like, what is this? You're intrigued. You're like, I'm intrigued. And he tells me he's, he's vegan and, um, you know, he practices yoga and, you know, Tai Chi, all of this stuff. And uh, he talks to me about the food and I'm like, okay, well, what, what is vegan? And you know, what is all this stuff? And uh, he tells me about the practice and he tells me about his dream of, of opening a vegan restaurant in Baltimore. Now, again, when you think Baltimore and I'm coming from New York, I'm like, oh, wow, Baltimore, the wire, you know, that's all I could think of, you know, <laughs> I'm still trying to adapt to, you know, because I didn't live in Baltimore at first, I lived outside in the county, so he's a Baltimorean, a native, both sides of the family, mother and father, and I'm like, wow, this is interesting, a, a restaurant like this in Baltimore, that's very interesting, yeah. but um, I said, well, I used to be a nightclub promoter in New York City, I know nothing about food service, never been employed <laughs> with food service or anything like that, but I think I can help you. <laughs> yeah. And in 2006 too, that's like, that's ahead of the curve. Right. To be right. Even thinking only, about that. Exactly. At that time in the city of Baltimore, um, there was uh, one black owned vegan restaurant called the Yabba Pot, And then there was another one in Fells Point within that. And that one is still open called Liquid Earth. Okay. So there weren't a lot of vegan restaurants around that time. And, and, and again, particularly one of color, unless you think right. about the Indian restaurants, Ethiopian, but you're talking about people promoting 100% vegan cuisine. So, but I said, I'll help, I can help you, you know? So we were promoting these dishes. Um, and again, the dishes he had was a lot of tofu, firm tofu type dishes with different sauces, mustard, barbecue, curry, mm-hmm. and they were good. But again, they were different. They weren't the norm. They w- it wasn't the soul food that I was used to, the mac and cheese, the greens, the yams, you know, chicken and stuff like that. So I said, you know what? I think what we need to do is veganize some of the soul food because we're going to introduce it to our market. Um, I'm half Latino. 
uh, yeah, we're going to need to make it familiar mm-hmm. because I know me, <laughs> you know, if it, if it doesn't look a certain way or taste a certain way, you know, I, I may not try it. And I mean, I'm an explorer of food. I like all types of cuisine. So I was just helping him with uh, trying to come up with ideas on how we can veganize collard greens because it's vegan. It's a vegetable as long as you don't put the animal stock or right. meats in it. Or uh, mac and cheese. How can we make our own cheese without dairy? So just having, you know, to think of that process. And uh, we went to the festival. We tested it out at the African-American Festival. We came out with vegan barbecue ribs uh, Mm. with some uh, firm riblet type of um, uh, food, mock meat, a soy protein, and a homemade barbecue sauce with yams, uh, mac and cheese, collard greens. And we would sell out all three days in the world in the row. And this is a festival where you're talking about all you're going to get is fish and chips and fried chicken. And it is nothing Damn. vegan here. Damn. Absolutely not. And we sold out three days in a row. And we had the literature out there, like why you don't want to eat red meat, you know, um, why this is good. For you. So all the information was out there. So as people bought, they would take literature, ask questions, and, you know, we would, would discuss what the lifestyle was and what it was about. So, so as you we were this. helping him, did you then transition to being vegan in this process? Yeah, so remember, yep, yeah, I'm still on this journey. It took me three years to become full vegan because when I first met him, uh, you know, we, we were working on the same management team and we didn't develop into a serious relationship probably, you know, probably mid-year or later that year when, when, I, when I met him. And I'm like, you know what, I'm a seafood person. I don't know if I'm be able to give up seafood. Is that going to be cool with you? Because you know that might be a problem. And then he said, you know, I I could live with that. But three <laughs> years later, <laughs> I would transition into full vegan. You know, just on my own. You know, so yeah, it, yeah. So it was that type of journey for me. And um, uh, and I learned a lot because I started learning about you know the animal, the real animal agriculture. Because remember, at six years old, I'm seeing one thing in the country, thinking like. Oh, they love the animal with the concept about what they have to do yeah. with the animals and how they that farm to table. I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, I, I didn't even realize that. So I'm learning that. And then I'm learning about the climate change and global hunger as well. You know how people are hungry yes. around the world because we're feeding them uh, food. That, uh, that we're not feeding them food that we should because we're feeding it to the animals to help them, them grow. Right. Uh, so learning all of this along the way and um, uh, we're 10 years open in business. So after all those festivals, after all the uh, private uh, chef chefing and catering and things like that, the demand was there to open a location and we found a location in 2010 and officially opened in 2011. And um, we've been open over 10 years and working on a second location on the east side of Baltimore. Yes. Mm -hmm. I was perusing your website and I got hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were voted top 10 uh, vegan um, seafood dishes by PETA for our award-winning crab cakes because you can't be in Maryland and not have some type of seafood. And of course, we had to veganize ours. So the crab cakes are a hot seller, uh, and they became the top 10 uh, vegan seafood dishes. I've never had a vegan crab cake. Mm -hmm. God, that sounds good. The kelp helps. Yes, <laughs> I haven't, ex- I haven't <laughs> experimented with kelp much, but I've heard that and seen that in a lot of recipes. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that helps in a little obey, you know. 
though. Oh, that sounds so good. So you're the co-owner of that restaurant and then co-founder of Vegan Soul Fest. So did that come later? Yeah. So in 2014, so after, so, so Land of Kush is, is up and running in 2011. Uh, my husband had left corporate fully. And um, that, that same year, 2011, I was pregnant with our first child. Okay. <laughs> so in 2012, we had our daughter, a first for both of us. So you can imagine there was a lot of things going there on, opening lot. up a business, <laughs> having a first child. I'm still in corporate. So I took a long leave of absence while I watched how the business was being run and operated and he needed help. He needed yeah. a lot of help. It's a lot. It, it was first time restaurateurs. We didn't know anything about restaurants. So I went back to work for a few months. Energy told me this is not where I should be. I really need to be back home helping because, you know, it's a lot. He's going through a lot. So I left corporate America, uh, 2013 and um, really help with uh, the marketing and PR of the Land of Kush, which, which included co-founding and organizing Vegan Soul Fest because that was a community event that was needed in the city of Baltimore to bring the message to the people that this is the lifestyle to adopt. Then here's the reasons why. And we did that through through presentations, through lectures, and through music. You know, it is a festival. So, yeah, and we would do that. It would have been um, uh, seven years last year, but due to COVID, we right. couldn't organize. Because you're talking about we had grew it from 1,500 people the first year all the way upwards of 16,000. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, yeah, in 20... Um, in 20, I think it was 2018, when uh, we would have uh, our first headliner who was happened to be Maya, who's vegan. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it's like a big deal. Like, yeah. you know, like it's not just like a neighborhood event. It is a huge yeah, it, it, event. It outgrew us. Like we were like, okay, we don't know what we did, but um, nobody wants us to stop it. So we got to keep going. So obviously it was a need. You found yeah, something really, people yeah. were looking for. Yes, yes, yes. A huge community event. We were recognized by the city of Baltimore. Um, and it was just known from all over. We had people from um, all over the country that would come to, to be, even in Europe and Puerto Rico. Like people, vendors would fly wow. in to set up and uh, sell their stuff at this festival. It was just so huge. That's amazing. And of course, everything's been put on hold by COVID, but I imagine that you'll continue on when you can. Yeah, we want to, I mean, we, we tried, you know, to figure out something last year and it wasn't an option to go virtual because it's about the food, the yeah. people coming out for the food. I mean, that's where it starts in the yeah. community. It starts with, oh, I got to taste this vegan food because I don't know what you guys are talking about. You're full of it. You know, so it starts <laughs> with the food, the lectures and the good demos. All of that is great. You you know, if you want to do that online, that's fine. But there's nothing you can do about hand, getting somebody some real food online. That's not, it's never going to happen. That's you have to have so it right true. there. <laughs> that's so true. That's such the insert point. If you're curious, you're like, okay, I'll try this vegan crab cake. And then you're like, wait a second. <laughs> right. Right. This right. Is good. It's real yeah. It's a real experience. Yeah. So we, we didn't, we didn't do a virtual 
Uh, and we're probably not going to do virtual this year. So we're just crossing our fingers. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's two of the three things in your email signature. The last is executive director of Black Veg Society of Maryland. Yes. So can you tell yes. me a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. That's um, <laughs> well, we, well, we were starting the land of Kush and people were uh, the community was seeing how we were growing so fast. Uh, the land of Kush, the restaurant became the social hub. So there, the mm. founder, the actual founder of the Black Vegetarian Society of Maryland, it was a, it was a Facebook group. Oh, okay. And this, yeah, this uh, gentleman kept trying to hand it off to us. He was like, you guys are doing great. I'm getting ready to move and going to Albuquerque, New Mexico, because he was going to start one out there. And you guys would do great with this. But if like you guys, like Greg is busy, he doesn't have time mm -hmm. for it. And then I'm dealing with the marketing and, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm still trying to, you know, uh, <laughs> feel myself around this whole restaurant thing. And it was not until after Vegan Soul Fest where I said, you know what? I think we're at a comfortable point where I can take a look at what's needed here. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I did. And we just decided to make it into a full uh, nonprofit because we had the festival and that's how we were getting oh. funded. So that we're bringing funds for the festival and any other events that uh, I either wanted to collaborate with people on or go out on my own with. So that was a way to do that because we started um, hosting uh, meatless dinners. So we hosted the first musical meatless Monday in May where we collaborated with high schools um so we did that for a couple of years and then we also uh created the first keep it fresh fest oh, wow. which was a year before covid hit um and that would be a smaller version of the vegan soul fest more community-based more collaborating with individual communities in within the city of baltimore and then also the first ever baltimore vegan restaurant week which we collaborated with a veg-friendly restaurant. And that restaurant would be the prodigy of other restaurants. We would try to get to add more plant-based options to their menu. So we would do that twice a year in the winter and the summer. So Black Vegetarian Society uh, has been busy with all of that stuff. And we still are some of the stuff we can't do, like the right, dinners, right. but we still can do the restaurant weeks. So because we still want people to go out and support vegan restaurants and veg friendly restaurants. So that has been a success through COVID, which is great. That's really nice. And especially through COVID to remind people to support those businesses. Like what a good way for everyone involved to get those that word out. Exactly, exactly. So I was, we were blessed to be able to keep that going because that was also scary because you're talking about we used to charge a fee for restaurants to participate and contribute to the marketing mm. fees and all that goes involved that's involved with it because we send out influencers, we have television ads, bulletin, ad, you know, so all mm -hmm. of that. So you're talking about straight marketing dollars going towards heavy marketing because you got all these restaurants participating and we need to promote them and, and <laughs> keep the website up and running and everyone engaged on social media. But um, we really lucked out. We lucked out this year and um, we're going to be doing it again in, in August. Oh, wow. That'll be, that's coming up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That summer edition of the Maryland vegan. Well, it became from, it changed from Baltimore vegan restaurant week. Cause that was the pilot. Now it's Maryland vegan restaurant week. Cause we was able to get other counties and, and um, restaurants outside of the city engaged with what was going on. You can't stop growing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Oh, now we need to help and the resources. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think, 
um, it's really important in the vegan community to talk about the intersectionality of identities. So can you speak a little bit to the importance of having a black veg society of Maryland and like what, yes. you know, like, why is that important? Right. Well, cause we need a safe space. And it's funny mm -hmm. when people see black vegetarian society, that's the first question. Why are black, you know? And I say, you know, when you mix all the colors up, what's the color you're going to get? You're going to get black anyway. So we're all in this together. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? So we're not an exclusive organization, totally. but African-Americans, Latino people of color, um, especially African-Americans have high disproportionate health disparities. Yes. And they, we need this information. We need this information and we need it in a safe space and we need to do it the way um, we do it. If it takes me three years, if it takes me four years, it takes me five years. I don't need anybody shaming me. Yes. I don't need anyone, you know, calling me a monster, whatever, whatever the um, ideal is if you don't go overnight. Yeah. People need safe spaces. They need information. They need people to meet them where, where they are. And that's our slogan. We're meeting you where you are non-judgmentally. And we're giving you all the resources and, and the information uh, and education that we can for you to make the important decision of when you pick up a, a fork, a spoon, a knife, or a, a glass or cup, you understand the decision you're making when you're consuming something. And um, yeah, we leave it up to the, the consumer. Consumer, we're not going to, you know, badger anyone. That That's the most important thing because culture is important. People just didn't wake up one day and decide, well, I hate vegan. I don't want to be vegan. They don't know. Yeah. The culture has yes. caused them different. The housing City Project. I don't, I don't know what that is. Yep. So now I'm going to get beat up because I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, like I'm going to turn my whole life around the next day. Everybody's not going to do that because they watch a documentary. Everyone's not going to do that because you give them a book. Mm -hmm. Everyone has their own journey. Some people can and will, Yep. but it's not everyone. I really appreciate you saying that because I have on the podcast before talked about how that kind of initial insert into veganism for me, I was, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with my privilege. I was able to go vegan if I wanted, right? Like that yeah, was, you access. know, access, access to the information. And I was like, all of a sudden it hits you when you talk about climate change and you talk about food disparity and you, you learn all the stuff that you go through that domino effect. All of a sudden I was like, why isn't everyone vegan? This is right. why aren't you vegan? The, the, the world is on fire. You know, I was just, I was mad. I was upset. I thought everything's been a lie. <laughs> like how did we right. not know right. all this information? But right. I right. had to chill out because I could do that. And I, it took me a while and some learning to sit down and realize that that can't be everyone's journey. And there's still a lot of there's still a lot of that in some online vegan communities I've left and unfollowed <laughs> because I just, I can't do it anymore. I can't see people just screaming at each other. Yeah. Well, we're fighting each other for what? We're still in the minority. We're yes. still in the minority as a whole, as a vegan or even plant-based or even yes. vegetarian community. We still have a whole bunch of other people we need to be talking to. So all of this bickering is not going to get us any closer. It might push us far further away. Absolutely. I think it does. I don't like conflict. Yeah. But you know what? I'm on the try love campaign. How can we do this 
try love, be compassionate, because mm. I thought that's what this lifestyle was about to be. So now my thought process is ahimsa, because yes. that is the true, that is the true um, way of not being cruel, whether it's through verbal, whether it's physical, mm. just having a more compassionate understanding and just listening. Sometimes it's, it's, sometimes you got to sit and listen to why people can't do this. Yeah, some people have selfish ways. Well, I'm just used to this and this is what my, my grandmother was, you know, that's their culture. Again, that's how they brought up. Yeah. Don't blame it on them. Yeah. Maybe blame it on the government that allowed the yes. folks to, 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 um, um, be able to participate in animal ag- agriculture to bring this type of food to the table. I mean, it's a whole bigger problem than us. I'm the messenger. I'm just giving you the message that um, if you want to change your life, uh, if you're tired of the health disparities, if you want to live a healthier life, if you want to contribute to stopping climate change and stopping con- the cruelty to animals, this is the way to do it. Oh, this is a way to do it. This may not be the only way, but it is a way. Yes, absolutely. I think that once you hit that point and you you can have that in mind when talking to people, I actually was just saying this to someone the other day about how, you know, if we keep fighting each other, whether it's about healthcare or housing or food or whatever it is, if we keep fighting each other, the systems don't change. They just keep contributing to our misery. Right, exactly. I'm like, oh, they don't even have it together. So next, let's work on this. So we, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Let them fight. Like that's a district. Let them fight. You know, they don't care. Yeah, we look stupid. Oh, we have <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I can't engage in it. And I don't engage in it. I just keep it moving because when I focus on something and I, and and I feel something is working, I just keep on with that, and that's yeah. it. Because there's no there. We've never progressed. Uh, you know, being at war. I mean, mm. we're better in numbers. We're we're just better in numbers we've never know? progressed being at war that's a beautiful line yeah I mean uh, I, hey what what happens after a fight I don't know you know you won and then what happened what and what what happened yeah what what'd you get did that solve yeah what'd you get <laughs> <laughs> did you can did more people go vegan I don't know like you know I mean just if you just think of that I had a fight with somebody in the street and then what happened you got bloody and <laughs> You know, you won and okay, we still have the same problem. Okay, got it. (laughs) Yes, totally. That analogy is perfect because that's literally what's happening. That's a metaphor for the online and I'm sure in person, but everything feels online right now. So right, 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 right. Online. Do you think that the um, importance of making food culturally specific vegan, so like soul food, like, do you think that was a big um, oh yeah, a big absolutely reason absolutely. you're growing more and more. Absolutely, because one thing about food it brings people together. Mm-hmm. So if you if there's a culture of well, I've been eating soul food all my life. I haven't even even if it's a hamburger. I know people that just eat hamburgers. They haven't eaten anything else. Like everywhere <laughs> you go is a hamburger. We're at this gourmet restaurant. Hamburger. We're at hamburger. Okay. Okay. That's all you eat is a uh, hamburger. You know, so obviously they're going to need a vegan hamburger because they're not going to try anything else. And it has to be the damnest good vegan hamburger. (laughs) They're never going to eat a vegan hamburger again. You know, so this is what you're faced with. So with soul food, if people are are used to greens and yams, okay, great. I love them. And I used to love them before I was vegan. Mm -hmm. But 
Let me show you how it tastes without all of that other stuff in it. Oh, it tastes pretty good. You see? Because it's the seasonings. Yes. Which are made of plants anyway. So like. <laughs> yes. Totally. So where did the name, I meant to ask you this earlier, for your restaurant, The Land of Kush, where did that come from? Kush um, is an ancient African civilization. My husband studies the African diaspora, and I also mm. have a uh, an interview um, that I did that me and him me and him co-hosted on Naja Speaks. That's my digital talk show that talks about the lost kingdom of Kush, because that's a question that comes up all the time. Yeah. What is Kush? A lot of people associate Black history with being enslaved. There's history well before that. There's ancient African history. And yes. Kush is one of them. So it just opens up the dialogue because a lot of people didn't know that or they don't know that. And it's like, yep. And now you have an interview that you could watch called The Lost Kingdom of Kush. You, so you can understand what the kingdom of Kush was and why was it lost. That's amazing. If you want to send me that link, I can put it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah, Absolutely. So that's where it comes, okay. comes from. And we also learned that Kush means happy in India. A lot of uh, oh, Indian wow. people name their children Kush because it means, means happy. So the land of happy. So we're learning some other meanings of Kush too, on top of the other one that people like to get high with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to ask, but. <laughs> that comes up a lot, people. We used to have a nice logo on our window before somebody jumped through the window. Um, somebody oh. literally jumped through our window, but we had a nice logo. People would just come by and take pictures of the logo because they thought it was so cool it had a leaf in the middle and of course they thought kush <laughs> is the food infused with kush that's no funny. I, know. I was like i'm not gonna ask but i'm no, wondering we, we get this question all the time <laughs> so are you you said you had um at least one kid Yes, I have a daughter, nine-year-old daughter. She is a vegan, 100%, been vegan from the womb, has never had meat wow. before, dairy, unless it was accidentally placed right. in, in, in something, you know what I'm saying? Going to grandma's to house or something like that. Yeah, but never, definitely never had any meat. <laughs> so is she turning into like a little activist? Does she get involved with stuff or is she? Um, she promotes the land of Kush, definitely. She goes to a, uh, a vegetarian school. Oh, now, wow. I don't think that. I think they're serving lunch now. I'm not sure, but we sent her uh, to school with lunch anyway, her own lunch, because we know it's uh, 100% vegan. Right. So, uh, and it's 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 the only school out here in Baltimore that is a vegetarian school, but they get it. So we've been in to uh, prepare uh, gluten-free vegan pa pancakes for the children on Pancake Pajama Day. They're Cute. open to the food and all of that stuff. So they know we're vegan and they know she's vegan. And uh, she definitely talks about vegan, you know, and the food. <laughs> she asks, is that veggie? Is I, I'm, I'm ve vegan. I can't eat that. <laughs> oh, that's so, I love that. I love seeing some of the like really young activists that are popping up that are so passionate. And it's like, when you see the, the crap we were talking about before and the arguing and the, the shaming, but then you see these young, young people that are just, you know, kids just speak from the heart. They don't know how to speak from any other place. Yes, yes. She gets coloring books. So uh, the Vegetarian Resource Group is a local um, veg group here in Baltimore. So we get um, uh, guides and coloring books from them. So she would take the coloring books to the school and hand them out to the kids, you know, just 
you know, just a safe way of saying thank you. It's just, uh, broccoli. I love broccoli and animals, you know, just a uh, safe way of promoting the message. <laughs> oh, I love that. And people are so much more willing to like, you know, they're not going to yell at her. They'll be like, okay, thank you. Let me see what you got. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so I have a question that I usually ask in the beginning of the show, but I forgot because I was so excited to talk to you because I had so many questions for you. Okay. Um, but the podcast is called Consciously Clueless. And nice. I did that because I just realized I've been on this journey of, you know, learning about everything and consciousness. And um, then you have these moments where you're like, wait, do I really get it? Or am I just totally clueless? Am I starting over? <laughs> and like everything in between. So I like asking people like, where do you feel right now in this moment on that spectrum from conscious to clueless? Like how are you doing right now? Well, uh, there's always room to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm definitely conscious of who I am. Mm. Um, basically by saying, I'm not going to get into any uh, <laughs> nonsensical conflicts. I really don't have time. There's too much work out here to be caught up in um, just, you know, <laughs> just juvenile uh, dialogue. Yes. I mean, the, the issue is what are we trying to do? How are we going to... Uh, provide solutions for people that don't have food access or can't access affordable plant-based food um and what can we do to help people um learn more about the land of kush and understand that that's a place that they can come anybody can come to get good food you know what i'm saying so we're doing a couple of things a couple of things here and how can we collaborate i'm a collaborator i love working with organizations schools churches other businesses on pushing the message as long as they're open to it. That's amazing. Is there anything you want to share or I didn't give you space to talk about that you're like, I have to tell the world this? Well, definitely NajaSpeaks.com. Okay. N-A-I, N-A-I-J-H-A Speaks.com. I have tons of interviews on various topics. I'm talking to all different types of people mm -hmm. on all different types of topic matters around veganism, plant-based lifestyle. So if, if you want to learn more about me and my story or anyone else's story, though, that's a good place to go to, to look at a lot of interviews and even for the events that we do, because obviously the media has interviewed us on a lot of things. So you're going to find things there about vegan soul fest, about the Maryland vegan restaurant week, um, land of Kush, myself, <laughs> and just people that have been to the restaurant and their stories. Like we had Tabitha Brown, we catered for oh, her wow. a few weeks ago and she has a testimonial on the on um on Naja Speaks as well. So yeah, it's it's just a lot of information there. And I started that during COVID. That's um I started this podcast during COVID. Because <laughs> I, I contribute for uh, Jane and Chain News. I was oh, out nice. doing a lot of live stuff you know and then when COVID hit it was like okay there's no festivals there's nothing good like what are we going to do so um she suggested people start coming up with their own shows and doing these type of interviews and cooking demos and things like that and that's how this all started my one of my dreams um and it's a long list of dreams but one of my dreams is uh, so many of the people I have interviewed I've been so it's been so fun to talk about 
you know, when you go vegan and you discover foods that you either never knew existed, or you totally remake things that you grew up eating, like mac and cheese. Like when I first had really good vegan mac and cheese, I was like, I could do this. No problem. You know, like it's so fun. So one of my dreams is to have people on like a Instagram live or something and have them teach me their favorite meal. So someday I'm going to be reaching back out to you. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. That would be so fun. (laughs) I really, really appreciate you taking, finding time to talk to me today and schedules and everything else. Oh, and I'm glad we got it in. (laughs) So, so great. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If you want to help me get this into the ears of more listeners, send it to a friend, text it to a family member, share on social media, whatever you can do really helps me out. If you haven't yet, head over to patreon.com slash consciously Carly and see all of the things I'm offering over there. And finally, if you haven't, head over to my website and look at the self-love reset course. I think you would really enjoy it. Until next time.